Ah, <laughs> be like saying I don't read you. Make not listen. Well, well. Simple. Two prisoners whose cells adjoin communicate with each other by knocking on the wall. The wall is the thing which separates them, but it's also the means of how they communicate. Every separation is a link. In a village boys, we explore the separation of the black culture because we understand that by bringing it to light, we will recreate links that will eventually unite us all back together. One of the amazing things about having a podcast is you really get to meet the most fascinating people in the world and have conversations with these guys and potentially build friendships with them. And in all honesty, that's exactly what happened, uh, the manifestation of this episode, right? Pierre, who's the guy we're interviewing today, he lives all the way in Canada and we found out he was, uh, he was one of our fans and somebody who really loved our podcast and we were able to become friends with this guy. And, and when I say somebody who loves our podcast, I really mean that. Like watching his love for our podcast and, and seeing um, like what he takes away from the podcast really gives us like strength to keep going and just fires us up. And it's a special, it's a special relationship, man. And, and I'm and really grateful for it. And so we were just amazed with how smart this guy was, but also how well in tune he was to, to the different cultures. And so, you know, we had, we said, look, we have to get you on the podcast because you just have so many amazing things to say. And you guys are going to hear about it in, in this episode, right? So this man has lived in five different countries between America, Asia, and Africa. And it's such a beautiful story. We talk about, obviously, those experiences. Then we get into this question. We get into what does it mean to be black? And so I, we thought that he was the perfect person to ask this question based on his experiences. So I'm excited for you guys to hear what he says in, in the conversation that follows that. And just enjoy. Just have fun on your drive or cleaning or whatever. Take it easy. Take it slow and just enjoy the, the conversation. Without further ado, check it out. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the village. That's if you got village boy, Chuke Meka. Shout out village boy, Victor Sokowachi. Sado. Uh-huh. Sado. Uh-huh. And, man, this guest, man, I don't even know where to begin with this guest, man. It's, it's, it's a very, it's interesting how we met. For sure. And I think the first time we had, like, an in-depth conversation was when uh, I remember vividly you you hit us up i think no no no. you told steven and then steven hit up vic was like hey vic we gotta talk and i'm like <laughs> you know we gotta talk about something y'all said on the podcast <laughs> and i, I said, thought it was oh. a typical steven steven bush you know the typical yeah. shit. nigga's so dramatic yeah <laughs> anyway so pierre he they they hit us up and they was like yo you said 
colonization civilized us. <laughs> I didn't even hear that shit, to be honest, man. Yo, what, like when I read, when I listened back to it, I was like, bro, like, 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 okay, I think I can understand where I was coming from with that in, in a way. So I try to like explain it, but I think how I first said it was yeah. not necessarily like the most, um, it was not the best way to say it or like, it wasn't like fully explained out because it could be taken like completely different ways. And then we just had like this in-depth conversation about like African colonization and like it yeah. went on for hours for and sure. then we just like stay friends, bro. And like, <laughs> and, you know, just listening to Pierre, like just, you know, talk about the different things he gets from the podcast and different ideas that he talks to us about. And I'm just like, dog, this is crazy. Right. So, but anyway, man, Pierre, welcome to the show, bro. Finally. Yo, that's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> you say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the pie. Y'all know that, you know, I'm, Real happy to be here. I, for sure. It feels like an honor because I've been I've been listening to the podcast for like ever. And for um, sure. by the way, I always knew what y'all meant by that. It's just <laughs> about it to, this is exactly what happened. I was talking about it to my uh to my brother. Yeah. He had to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And I was listening to this podcast, whatever, whatever. And you know, it's going, you know, it's really good podcast. You know, Stephen recommended it to him. And um, but there was this one thing that you know was said, and I was like, yo, that's weird. But because yeah. I have been, you know, alone and ride for so long, mm-hmm. I knew where y'all were probably trying to go with that. Mm-hmm. So it was just more so like I was taken aback more than turned off. Yeah, mean? I feel it. I feel it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, it was real though. Like I respected it, like the like the fact that we were able to have that conversation. And I think for me, that was one of my favorite moments of last season was when we were able to like go so deep from something that we said in the podcast and learn so much. Right. Cause we're sure. learning at the end of the day. And I learned so much, bro, from that conversation. That one time, to this day, sometimes I think about it. And so I'm yeah. grateful that we had that conversation for real. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just cool to see how full circle it's come. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, obviously, um, Steven is the homie. I've been knowing Steven since I was like, probably like nine, eight years old, something like that. So I've known him for years and years. And like, we have a really strong friendship. And like, just he, he used to tell me, my homie Pierre fucks with your podcast heavy. And like that led to us meeting over that conversation. I think we met before that though. Like in terms of like had a conversation before that, like, I don't know if we did or I think, nah, he did, I think, I oh, actually, I actually, I, I think, um, I think he may have told you that, um, cause I was on the podcast heavy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend was like, when he was like, yeah, my friend started a podcast. I was like, <laughs> man, like, like, you know, podcast is like, I always tell my brother, like, you know, the podcast game, you know, in the 2020s is what like rapping was in the 2010s. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it was oversaturated. Yeah. But I was like, I, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna listen to it just because yeah. like, I'm not gonna lie, your presentation is like, you know, really nice. You know, right, so for sure. Like, Appreciate like, that. You're professional yeah. and everything like that, and which is huge because yeah. you only get a like, you know, one chance at a first impression. So I was like, right. okay, let me listen to it. Right. Yeah. From like the first, ha- like first episode, like I was hooked and I think y'all had Baji. And I yeah. ended up uh-huh. going to school. Like, I was yeah. school That's what we talked about that. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. So, we had like a like a bit of an interaction, you know, prior to that whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. I was like, I feel like we had a conversation before that. And yeah, shout out yeah. to the homie Baji, man. One of the realest dudes I've ever met, man. So, yeah, we had conversations. And, you, like, I just remember you used to, like, you fucked with the cop. You still fuck with the podcast heavy. And I remember Absolutely. after that. 
Because when Omega said that, to be honest, I didn't even remember it. That <laughs> I ain't even because like I feel like we just be talking on here, and a lot of shit just goes yeah, over yeah, your yeah, head. Yeah. Like you don't really sometimes you don't, you're not cognizant of what's yeah, being yeah, said yeah. or what. Because we said. say so much, bro. Exactly, yeah. we say so, a lot. Yeah, I'm like when Steven hit me up about it, I'm like, what are y'all niggas talking about? I remember I was driving home. Like, what are y'all talking about? So I listened. So I was like, oh, I can see how like, it yeah. could be like, yeah, that shit could sound and, and, and it was, and it was like, and it was crazy for me because like, I was nervous as shit because you know, cancel culture was heavy. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, yo, are we about to get canceled? Like, <laughs> yeah, we ain't even got going yet. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. But yeah, I was man, getting I ready for my apology tour, bro. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "That's hilarious, bro." But yeah, oh, it was just man. like I remember that after that conversation, I was like, "Man, this dude is just well read. Like you can yeah, tell you're well read, smart, dude. bro. You're well thought out, dude. Oh, I think me and you have very because like we after we had that conversations, we've progressed our friendship, and all of us were in the same group chat. We kept the group chat going. Mm-hmm. And we've right, progressed right. to having like loads of like very intellectual, very thought stimulating conversations. And I think the good thing about our group chat is like we usually have very different views. I think me and you typically have like similar views. And Mecca has right, his right, views right. that Steven, I don't know about Steven. I'm only, <laughs> I'm only throwing shots at Steven on the podcast. That's my nigga. But bro, Steven you a bully, dog. I swear <laughs> right, you a bully. You are a bully, bro. I just like throwing shots at Steven. It's funny. That's how, that's how I show love to him. But um, Steven has these thoughts. And we just, we be having like, I'm talking about 200 message type long conversation. Bro, what? Yes. But we all learn. And I think that yeah. shit is beautiful. So yeah. I'm really excited about this conversation because like you have a very, very interesting story. You've lived in like five countries. You're well read. You're well thought out. So this is going to be a dope ass conversation, man. For sure, man. I'm excited about it, man. So let's kick it off, Pierre. Tell us a little bit about, a little bit about yourself and give us a, a slight introduction. Okay. Before, before I get into that, I'd be remiss. I gotta, I gotta do this because Growing up, my, my my parents actually never took me to the village. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh-huh. I've I've never been to the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember a couple of years ago, I was having a conversation with one of my uncles, and he was telling me, and I was telling him how I'd never been to the village. So he told yeah. me, when you end up going, because you're an unfamiliar face, people probably ask you who your father is, who oh, his father man. is, what clan you belong to, and all these different mm-hmm. things. So yeah. it might come in, you know, handy to know your genealogy. So this was my uncle on my on my, on my mother's side. And we patriarch in our culture. So I hit on my mm-hmm. phone. I was like, yo, you know your genealogy, your ancestors yeah. that yeah, yeah. you put me on. That being said, fast forward all these years later, I still haven't been to the village, but y'all call this the village. So technically, <laughs> it's my first time in the village. Before I get into my background, you know what I'm saying I'm gonna finally give a shout out to my ancestors. So bear with me. All right. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> all right. Please. All right. <laughs> so that's 13. That's all I know. <laughs> hey, that's lit, bro. That's, hey, that was one of the most hey, powerful moments that's, of Blood that, Boy's That's history, probably, man. to me, the realest moment on the show, bro. <laughs> that was, that's a powerful moment. That right is there, incredible, bro. That's all right, so, um, so um, yeah, so a little, like, an introduction on me. So, my name is Pierre Victor Morono. I'm 26 years old. Also, my fault to cut you off. I never knew your name was Victor <laughs> in any sense. Like, I saw it, yeah. like, recently, I was like, oh, shit, your, your name's Victor, too. I yeah, never knew yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm 26 years old. Uh, currently live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 
Um, but really, I'm uh, I'm actually from Gabon. Gabon is a French-speaking country in Central Africa with a small population of about two million people. Uh, that being said, you know, coming up, I bounced around, um, you know, different countries, different regions. Uh, I got to see different facets of the continent. And, you know, fast forward to now, I'm 26. Like I said, I'm in Canada. I'm still trying to, you know, put the pieces together and see what all of these experiences kind of add up to as far as, you know, what I identify with and what this third culture identity really entails. Yeah, yeah. Man, I respect that. You've, you've lived a lot of lives, bro, at 26. And and that's something that I can relate to you with, right? Like, I've lived in, in a few different places, too. So it's like, right. we, I feel like, and like, let me know if I'm correct. Like, we we come to America with this, like, like broad sense of the world, right? Where mm-hmm. it's, we're just so open-minded and we just accept, like, it's it's hard for us to like be put in some type of a box because we've experienced so much already, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, it's it's definitely hard to fit in a box. But I'm yeah. not gonna lie. When I you know come in here, definitely I, I you know a lot of times I look for a box to fit in, mm-hmm. and I think one of the one of the things that probably distinguishes you know my experience from you know um, some of the uh, some other people's experiences is the fact that. I come from a completely different culture language wise. And I come from a very, very small culture in terms of the population. Mm, so in a sense that, in a sense that, for example, for you growing up in, uh, well, you, you, you were born in Nigeria, but grew up in Switzerland, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so That's how you know he follows the podcast. Man. <laughs> 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 yeah, so like, you know, you you've been speaking this language your you know your whole mm. your whole life. You've been hip to this culture your whole life. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can you can go to you know you can go to Nashville or you can go to like just America and find like other Nigerians. Right. You can find other Ebos. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? For me, I left Gabon and I went to a different you know language like like culture. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. I grew up speaking French. I'm going to Ghana. Gabon's already small. I'm going to a, a place where we don't even speak the same language. They don't mm. know what the hell that is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting hit to like completely different things. You know what I'm saying? I didn't understand like um, American entertainment until I was 13 years old. Wow. That's <laughs> wild. You know what I'm saying? So like when I'm here in Canada, it's so isolating. And I grew up my whole life not finding other Gabonese people not finding other people with the same ethnic group. So I grew up as like, you know, just like an uh, uh, kind of isolated, you know, as far as like identity, my whole, ever since I left Gabon when I was nine wow. years old. Yeah. So when I'm coming to Canada, when I, so yeah, it's hard to fit in because you have all of these different experiences, which yeah. you can definitely relate to, yeah. um, especially having grown up in like, you know, um, Asia and stuff like that. Yeah. But for me, what I'm looking for is actually to fit in. Mm-hmm. Even though that's hard, <laughs> dang, that's deep. That's dang. that's that's really that's really. You deep. don't hear a lot of people say that, man. Yeah, for especially sure. in in the Western culture. Right, right. Well, it's it's not really. It's not even really like the Western culture that I'm trying to, you know, uh, fit no, no, in. No, I'm saying I'm yeah. saying like in like in the West, like that's not something that you hear often. Like, oh, like I'm trying, oh, trying to fit in. Like, yeah, like I think like in the West, like a lot of people are trying to like stand out, like be their own. Yeah. Person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think that might come from like you know people not necessarily like traveling 
per se. Yeah. Because I want to say when you're in an environment where everybody is kind of like you and you find similarities, you know, you might want to, you know, get out of there. Like sometimes I have conversations with my friends who are like just surrounded by people who are like them. Like a lot of my Nigerian friends here, they're yeah. like, oh man, I'm trying to get to a place where there's no Nigerians. Like I'm tired of like <laughs> running into like, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to see yeah. different things because it's always like, interesting. You know, the drama or whatever. Because yeah. like you have that. Yeah, that is very interesting. So, like, I have a very similar thing. Well, when I went to, um, we, me and Emeka went to Houston like two weekends ago for my birthday, and yeah. it was so dope. We both loved it because we saw a lot of Nigerians, and it's not there's, there's a pretty big Nigerian population here in Nashville, but like, and it's more amplified in Houston, and just they have Bro. more the culture kind of caters to Nigerians in a, in a sense. So they have their own little umbrella and their own little space out there. So like we we wanted to be in a space like that. But in comparison, I have a lot of Kurdish homies that live out here. And it's like, it's very similar where I would hear some of them like saying, man, I want to go somewhere else where there's not a lot of Kurdish people because they're just like, there's a lot of judgmental things that come with being in the space where all your people are and they want to judge you or your family and so many different things where they feel like they can't even get away. Like they want to just let their hair down and have a beer or something like that. They can't do right, it because right, they right, always right. feel like there's some eyes on them and it's going back to the family, just that type of shit. So it's very interesting how, I don't know, just different. I think different experiences as, as human beings subjectively affect that and shape that. But right. like you want, you want what you don't have. Right. I feel it. Like I, as somebody who, you know, coming up, I love, I always say this, like I left Gabon when I was nine years old. Right. I'm 26. Okay. Mm-hmm. Out of all the places that I live, I met <laughs> I met one chick in the fifth grade who was half Gabonese. That's wild. That's man. the number of Gabonese people I met. Like that out of wild. all the different places that you know I lived since I left Gabon since I was nine years old, yeah. I met one chick. That's that was half Gabonese. Because there's just this joy of when you meet your people. Like like when right. I'm out and I meet a fellow Nigerian. Like this past weekend, I I was work, walking around with three of my homies, me and my homie Roland. He's from Congo. My other homie, Toast. He's he was on the pod, right? Yeah, yeah, he was on the pod already. Yeah. And my other homie, um, my other homie, Tosin, he's like Nigerian in English. And I saw these Nigerian, like they looked Nigerian. They were wearing like the kaftan. They were wearing like that. And I saw <laughs> I saw him walking by and I said, Ninja guy. And it just looked at me like, hey, yeah, I've been on shot guys. So like, <laughs> there was just that, you could just see the joy in both of our faces when we realized we were both Nigerian and shit right, like right, that. Right. So yeah, I mean, I bet that's a really tough thing. Cause like, there is a lot of joy in that commonality and stuff. Yeah. I'm curious, man. Like, how do you cope? Like, how do you cope with that right now? Like, like what do you do? Man, oh man, I don't, I don't. Honestly, I like I like I like it's it's a struggle. It really is. You know, I it's even to the point now where like sometimes I think about it like, you know, who I end up with. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I'm even like marriage, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I'm thinking about my kids now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like just getting to a point where I'm so far removed from Gabon. Yeah. To go back to that is damn near like not possible. So now it's just like forget understanding you know where i'm at mm-hmm. it's also like also accepting that my kids probably not going to be from the same culture because i can't even identify you know where you Ooh. know i am you know right. <laughs> who, who i am and you know but also trying to like put them in a position where it's like okay cool 
do I go for a culture that I often run into that way I know they always have like a, you know, a home, so to speak. Yeah. Cause like, it's, it's really, um, it's really something where it's like, you feel like everybody's cool with you, but nobody's really claiming you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Damn. I'm gonna give you like, like when I remember in school, we used to have you win day. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We used to have UN Day and on uh, UN Day, basically, like, you know, we celebrated like different countries because I went to like international schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we used to um, celebrate like different countries and stuff like that. And I remember for like, if you were from a country like um, Ghana, for example, for UN Day, you got to think all the Ghanaians are fighting to carry the flag on UN Day to walk mm-hmm. across the stage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And say hello in their language. For me, we were there. We were there for, we were in Zen for four years. Yeah. I did it the first year. My younger brother did it the second year. My youngest <laughs> brother did it the third year. And I did it again the fourth <laughs> Damn, that's wild, man. <laughs> you know, so what I'm saying? And like, we didn't have like a, like a stand with like all, you know, local food or whatever. Cause they just wasn't, you know, that type of, yeah. you know, that type of demand. It wasn't that type of supply either. Like, yeah. you know, and I think about that a lot. And, you know, I think about it and now I'm getting to an age, like I said, I'm 26. Well, I think about it for my kids as well. It's like, you know, how do I set them up? Yeah. Say, what's the best way to set them up? Right. You know, man, there's two things I want to say to that. One, I relate so much to the forethought into how you want to raise your children. Right. Because similar to you, I'm also I've also been far removed from my specific culture, Igbo. I did, actually didn't have any connection to, to my Igbo side at all. But my mom's side, she's Kalba and she's Yoruba. She speaks Yoruba. She's not Yoruba, she speaks Yoruba. And um, so there's different parts of, you know, obviously Nigerian culture that you can, I can identify with. But the older I get living in America, it's just like, like how, how do I raise my children with, you know, Nigerian values and Nigerian culture? You know, knowing full and well, I'm going to marry an American woman, you know? So it's like, it's like that, it's like that balance or like that idea of like, how do I, like, like, what do I teach? Like, what identity do I give them? Like, do I give them the American identity? But then like, sometimes like, I feel like I'm cheating them if I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like enforcing yeah. the Damn, side. You see what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and I also feel like I'm losing a part of myself if I don't like teach them the the Nigerian side as well. Like, am I losing, like, am I losing that side of me for generations to come? So it's, I, I can relate to that but on a different scale. However, the second thing I want to say is I think a way I, I've thought about coping with that is obviously by raising them within Nigerian community. But I also think we take for granted how big of a community that we have in America, Nigerian community. You see what I'm saying? Like when people, you know, like come from your country, let's like, like, Countries who don't have like a big representation in America, like I never thought about how how much like they lack that connection, like the 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 a group a, a big group of people that they can actually connect with, a big community yeah. they can connect with, and and how them how important that is, man. So I, I appreciate you bringing like help for me. sure. Yeah, I never yeah. thought about that, bro. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Vic, were you? No, no, you got it, Pierre. No, I, I was saying, like, that's why I say all the time, like, you know, um, culture belongs to community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, culture to, it's, it's basically, when you think of, like, personality, 
what that is to an individual, that's what yeah. culture is to a community. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you don't have community, you don't have culture. Damn. And that's the, that's what I ran into. Cause I was basically kind of in the same place when you were asking, you know, how I cope with that. One of the things that I was doing a couple of years ago is that um, I come from an ethnic group called the Fun People, F-A-N-G. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to study. I'm going to learn the language. My parents didn't teach me the language. Like I said, you know, that's one. My parents did a lot of great things, but one place that really dropped the ball mm. was, like I said, never took us to the village, you know, yeah. nothing like that. And I was like, okay, well, I, I got to make up for it. I got to learn the language. I got to learn the culture and everything like that. But very quickly, what I realized, individuals do not carry culture. You need community. You need mm. community. So I used to run into this thing where it's like, I would learn this language, I got nobody to nobody practice speak with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's, like I, I uh, would, you know, I would I would learn this history, but I got nobody to share with. You know, mm. I would, you know, I would, I would, you know, um see these clothes and then there's nobody to there's nobody to make them. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like yeah. so culture really belongs to um community. So when you talk about raising your kids in the culture. There's no point in doing that if you're not going to put them in those communities. Right. You're just going to frustrate your kids. What's the point in, you know, um, when you talk about passing it on, you got to find the people as well in the environments. There's no point in teaching your kids Igbo if you're not going to put them in environments and speak Igbo. <laughs> that's true, bro. That's true. <laughs> like that, that just is what it is. So, you know, if you're going to pass it on to them, you know, put them in those environments and vice versa. Cause I also see like a lot of parents who put their kids in environments where it's like, they're going to be in a certain culture and they don't teach them the culture. Do not take your kids in evil environments. If you're not going to teach them evil like yeah. that, that's yeah. just irresponsible. Right. Right. I hate it that. Is. You know, I, I see it a lot of times with parents and I know, you know, um, immigrant parents, they do the best that they can, right. but I really, really can't stand it when, they don't educate their kids mm-hmm. and then they just throw them back in that culture. And then the kids is just like, you know, lost. Yeah. and you know, they, they get, you know, they have a hard time, you know, they get mm-hmm. teased for it and all of that. And it's really because your parents didn't do their job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the same thing. Teach it. Like if you're going to teach your kids Igbo, put them in, you know, places where they can speak Igbo. And if they're going to be around Igbo's, equip them so that, you know, they have the culture to interact with that, you know, with that community. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that just flows of parenthood in general is just equipping your kids with tools they need to survive and navigate this world, you know, in general. And I have like a, a story as well, because like it worked the opposite. Well, it worked in a similar way for me in terms of growing up because my mom, my parents are from um, Basange. It's in Kogiste, small village. Um, well, they're actually from Ate and Basange is like a small village where they all grew up in because her village and my dad's village, you have to like go up a mountain. Like you real life have to go up a like real mountain to get to the actual, actual village. So majority of the family stayed down and it's called Boloko. So they stayed there in Boloko, in the village of Boloko. And so Basange is the language that we spoke. They, my parents speak, all my family speaks it. But growing up, they try to teach me and I was like, nah, I don't need to, I don't need to learn it. Because I was just like, say, I don't need to learn because I grew up in Lagos. You know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Right, right, right. I grew up in Lagos. And like Lagos the, only people that, <laughs> the only people that spoke it was like my family and like family friends that were from 
but I didn't feel the need to learn how to speak it. And I regret it now because now it would just be a good tool to be able to speak it full. I could, I could understand words and I could kind of know what they're saying. I just can't pull words together. But it just also flows with that because like, I, like even as a child, I guess I was cognizant to the fact that like it wasn't a necessity because the dominant culture wasn't Basange in, in Lagos. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm. So it's, it's, it's crazy how as humans, we do make that connection. Even as a child, you make that connection yeah. in your head as well. Yeah. And I do have a question. So I think naturally you've talked about growing up in Gabon. You said you've lived in five different countries. Um, I think it would be helpful if you gave like our listeners, like the chronology to your journey, like how, where okay. you went from Gabon, where you, you said you went to Ghana, how you ended uh-huh. up there? What was the reasoning behind you moving? What you learned in, bit, in bits and pieces and all the different places you lived at? Oh, man. All right. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. And, you yeah. know, if y'all can't tell yet, I enjoy conversation and I can sure. get lost. And so it's <laughs> like you feel like I'm going too long. You got, nah, nah, you, you man, got time, you bro. Stop me. We love it. We nah, love it so it, far. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah, so born in France, I don't remember anything about it. I was there till I was like two years old. Um, then we moved back to Gabon because, you know, my parents felt like it was really important uh, for us to know our roots. Um, you know, they didn't want us to have that experience of like, we were born in France and we'd never been to Gabon. And it's right. just, you know, this African place that, you know, we see about on the news. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So I was there till I was, um, till I was nine years old. So I was in Gabon for seven years. And then after that, um, so my mom was working for the UN um, mm-hmm. and um, she was working for UNICEF. And so she started getting, uh, she started getting gigs outside of the country as the head of education. So we started traveling, you know, um, in different countries in Africa. So, the first country that, you know, she was sent to was the Ivory Coast. So um, the Ivory Coast at the time, um, they were going through some stuff because basically Africa could be divided in so many different ways. Yeah. But one one way that is often divided is like through religion. So yeah. and you see it especially, you know, in West Africa because of the spread of Islam. Right. And the thing about Islam is that it spread, you know, usually like through the Sahara and at a certain uh, point, it just stops. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So now what you ended up have, having is like in a lot of countries in West Africa, you got a really Islamic North and then you got a Christian South. Yeah. The Europeans just went, you know, down there to, yeah. for the unfortunate, you know, trans, uh, <clears throat> transatlantic uh, sl- uh, slave trade. And as well as just like, you know, colonialism. But, you know, the Muslims did not, you know, go all the way down there. So, like, you know, the people were not converted. So, basically, that was a tension that existed in the, in the Ivory Coast, where you had this Muslim North, you had this Christian South. Yeah. The president at the time was from the South. And the people in the North, you know, they were not going for it. Mm-hmm. So, they attempted a coup that, you know, uh, failed. Uh, they traveled all the way to, like, the middle of the country, and it, it was stopped because the people in the South, you know, were riding for the president. You know what I'm saying? Young people, militant and all of that. So they stopped in, you know, in their tracks. And the president was like, well, you know, y'all gonna try to kill me. I'm, I'm not looking after the North anymore. Like, you know, so basically mm. he stopped funding and all of that stuff. So my mom, head of education, she's just worried about, you know, the, educa- the education side of it. So when she went there, her job was to, you know, go to the government and say, listen, these kids, you know, that can't go to school and all of that. We understand you got tension, but, you know, they can't just be collateral damage right. for political change, take care you know, that exists. They're kids, and even more importantly, they are Ivorian kids. So, you know, you got to, you know, look yeah. after them. 
And then when the government was like, cool, we'll, you know, we'll help out the kids. She had to talk to the people in the North because they didn't trust the government. So mm-hmm. they didn't even want the, they didn't want their planes landing in the North. So when you got to fly in exams and stuff like that, they were like, we're not letting these planes land. But they were trusting like the UN. So basically, her job was to uh, play the middleman and like you know, mediator. Because you know, it's, it's public schools up there. The only reason your degree or your diploma is worth anything is because the head of state, you know, validates it. So it's really important for you know them to get the actual tests, you know, end of year exams that you got to take in the nation to get the you know the degree, the diploma, whatever it is. Yeah, right. So she was play, basically playing the middleman for that. But because the political situation was like so, you know, finicky at the time, they're already going through some stuff before we, you know, we were there. But the same tension still existed. They were like, if shit hits the fan, it's easier for us to evacuate um, one person as opposed to a family of five. So they were like, y'all can, your family can stay in Gabon and then you can go visit them like every, you know, couple of weeks. Yeah. They could go to um, Senegal where they speak French. It's not next door, but it's still in West Africa. Yeah. Or um, we got a nice situation in, you know, Ghana that's right next door. I cried to John. I think it's like 40 to 45 minute flight. Oh, but wow. that being said, it's an English speaking country. And my father wanted us to learn English, which was ironic because we didn't pick up a whole lot of English there. But you know, <laughs> we, ended up going to, <laughs> we ended up going to Ghana. So that's how I ended up. Um, in um in Ghana, <clears throat> um, Ghana was cool just because, like, again, I growing up in, in in Gabon, I talk about language culture a lot. So because we were colonized by the French, a lot of our culture has been inherited by the French. You know, so I'm saying from like you know the food we eat. I'm gonna give you a stupid example, but bread, bread in Gabon. When you wake up in the morning, you go to the corner store and pick up fresh baguettes. That's the bread. Oh wow! Yeah. I know it's super fancy and like, you know, Anglo-Saxon <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. Or like any French speaking country in Africa, when you go to the store to get bread, I don't know where you get sliced bread anymore. I'll be honest with you. That's crazy, fam. Do they, do they add anything extra or is it just like it is in France? No, like it's it's just the same the, the same way oh, it is, wow. you know, in France. It's, 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 it's a baguette, you know, the same way you got, um, you know, when I went to Ghana, it was this. I went to what was the supermarket called? Max Mart or something like that. Okay. Where it, yeah, like it was this sliced bread. Like you That was my first time from like Cartoon Network. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, the bread is just like in the <laughs> I'm being for real. Like, That's wild, like it was super fam. different for me. Like, I promise you, if y'all yeah. go to um if if y'all ever go back to um, West Africa, if you go to Togo, Benin, or like um, you know, the Ivory Coast and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah you will have baguettes like there's no escaping it like that's what you eat that's what you make your sandwiches out of so that that was what was interesting about Ghana is just like being hip to you know the Anglo-Saxon culture yeah. um, so you know the bread example is kind of a silly example but you know that's essentially what it was it's mm-hmm. going from like leaving Francophone Africa and going into like Anglophone Africa and yeah. just you know seeing how um seeing how they operate but that being said wow. it wasn't a complete culture shock the culture shock just because we went to a french school we went to ghana the reason we didn't pick up that much english is because we still ended up going to a french school mm-hmm. so it was like still kind of like this french bubble where you know we went to school with like you know ivorians um people from benin togo and stuff like that 
Um, so it was still somewhat regular. Anglo-Saxon culture did not smack me in the face until I went to Zimbabwe, which is, you know, where I went yeah. after uh, the uh, uh, after after Ghana when my mom left the Ivory Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Zimbabwe, listen, I thought it was going to be the same thing. <laughs> you feel me? Two things. I thought it was going to be the same things. And the other thing is I thought I spoke English because like the, the housekeeper in Ghana, like she spoke English. Yeah. yeah. But was it like broken English, like a little bit of English? That's it. But I don't know any better. Like, <laughs> you feel me? I don't know any better. So like sometimes she like she tell me things that I learned from her. Yeah. But I still know to this day. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was pigeon English until I got to Zimbabwe. <laughs> I was in this My man was like, saying the confidence is hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, what happened? Go to this like, proper school, be like, what's in the album? <laughs> like, I remember telling my friends one time, I was like, yo, way small, way small. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? So, like, yeah. a lot of the stuff that I, not a lot of the stuff, like, she didn't speak completely in, like, you know, pigeon English, but it was things right. that she was saying that it was yeah. just like, cuz, like, you yeah. know, I got to Zimbabwe. I thought I was going to go to a French school again. And um, I'll never forget this. My mom was getting ready for work and, um, <laughs> you know, she was like, oh, um, by the way, you know, you're going to the um, to the international school, right? I'm like, what you mean? She was like, oh, you know, we're not putting you in the French school. Damn, I'm 12 years old. I'm in the seventh grade. This is not on some like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the second grade. And like, I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? I was so yeah. devastated. I was like, I can't believe you would do this to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was asking like a bunch of words. Like she was putting like, you know, her earrings on and everything. I was like, yo, how do you say continent? How do you say ocean? Like, how do you? Damn, like, that's like, terrifying oh. <laughs> for a child though. Yeah, bro. And it was, it was hell. <laughs> Those kids give me hell, man. For real? <laughs> oh, man. Bro, how did you how did you move? Like you didn't speak English at all. Like, did somebody was 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 there a translator? Was there somebody that could like tell you a little bit about what was going on? Um, not really. Not really. And, to, like, I, and I think the, the worst just part about you it to is, the lions, then, fam. Yeah, I think the worst part about it is like I spoke a little bit. Like I said, like just to get like communicate with the the, the housekeeper in Ghana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I spoke a little bit, so people there was stuff that I could pick up. Mm. But because of that, like there wasn't, I wasn't completely like, you know, um, protected in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like there was an expectation that, you know, okay, you understand what's going on. But yeah, there were a lot of times, bro, like I'll never forget, man, uh, showing up to social studies class and homework was due. I had no fucking clue. Like it, it's just like, I pull, I remember pulling up, <laughs> I'll never forget my social studies teacher, Mr. Poole. It was a white American. Like he was like, um, and everybody showed up to class with like a whole bunch of posters. And he looked at me <laughs> and I looked at him. <laughs> you know, you know that uh, you know that meme with like Diddy and like that one contestant. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that's what it was, man. <laughs> I was like, listen, bro, I don't, I don't, and then he was like, all right, I'm giving you one more day. And this is where I did something that would, you know. Remind it kind of reminds me of I thought about when Vic talked about what he did with the double space thing. Oh, <laughs> he said, "All right, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you one more day." So I did my project on uh, oh man, um, it's a park in New York. Is it Central Park? Central Park, Central yeah, Park. Central Park. Yeah, Central Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did my project on that, fam. 
I just copied and pasted what we <laughs> and changed the font. I had no concept of like, you know, this is plagiarism. Yeah. So I just literally, I was like, all right, well, this is the introduction section. Copy, paste. <laughs> you feel me? Oh my God. Oh, like, that's silly as hell, man. You, you feel me? And I showed up, it was like, Pierre, you can't do this presentation. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Basically, I, I was really like, Man, you went through it, bro. You was going through was, it, man. Man, when I tell you, like, fam, I was lost, though. The part that still breaks my heart to this day is, like, because when I get comfortable with people, like, I like to talk. I, I like to have conversation. I like yeah, to talk yeah, around. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there were times where I remember I wasn't making jokes when people laugh. And at the time, I thought it was just, like, if any of y'all have ever been, like, a class clown, you know that. Yeah. After people f- find out that you're funny, they yeah. just start laughing at things. They laugh at anything. Yeah. Like, shit ain't funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, I'm not even making a joke, but people were just like, oh man, this dude's a riot. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I thought that's what it was, but like, now when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, damn, I was saying this, but that's not how you say it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm going to give you a real bad example. I was about to say, give me, give me an example. I want to hear this. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you an example, and it sounds silly, but like that's really what it was. I remember we were working on a yearbook. This was IT class. We were working on a yearbook, mm-hmm. and so you know each student had like you know a page that they had to work on. So you know some people did the third grade, other people did you know I don't know the staff whatever. So I had to do uh, what was it uh, academic awards, okay. I had to do academic awards. Now, for people who don't know, French is my first language. And mm-hmm. in French, there no, the accent, as in the emphasis on every word, is always at the end. Mm-hmm. That's where you can kind of tell when, like, English borrows a word from French is when, like, so, for example, um, souffle, mm-hmm. chauffeur, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Desiree, you know, uh it's always the emphasis is always at the end. Whereas like in English, it could be anything, you know, yeah. you have computer, you know, in French, it would be computer. Uh, you know what I'm saying? The emphasis cadence is always, different. Yeah. The, 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 the emphasis is always on the last syllable. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so with English, y'all are always playing around. Like it could be on the first one, the second one, the third one, the last yeah. one, like, but it always switches up. So I get up there and I'm like, so they like talking about, you know, give us, tell us about your progress or what you're doing. So people go up there. I did the third or whatever. I'm getting up there and I'm like, I'm doing academic awards. I said, I'm doing academic awards. <laughs> when I tell you, fam, there were people in that lab that were not even in our class. They were just their, their papers or whatever. Everybody started laughing. <laughs> Everybody started laughing. And the worst part about it is, I had no clue I fucked yeah. up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, like, yeah. coming from French, like, academic academy, like, it's the yeah. same It's the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what y'all want from me. So, Damn. I don't yeah. even know that, you know, I said, you know, anything. I just remember everybody laughing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was Eddie Murphy on Delirious or something. <laughs> and I, I just didn't know why. And then later, you know, my friend took me to the side and was like, listen, you know, it's academic it's not academic <laughs> and when he said it i was just like 
what's the fucking difference? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> what you mean? But oh man, that's a good friend, though. That's a good friend. That's a real nigga. Oh man, man. <laughs> like, and, and he did that a couple of times. Like, you know, I used to say things like unappropriate behavior, and people would laugh, and I'm like, "What's the matter?" And he's like, "It's inappropriate." That's, and, like, that's the thing, like you know, yeah. it, it it was a lot, bro. It was a lot, but you yeah. know, I, I guess you know you you got to go through that. That's that's the reason why, like that's when it's time to learn languages, I just get PTSD from some. Like, <laughs> damn, I'm man, not just traumatized. Man, <laughs> like it's the worst feeling. Like it'll kill your confidence. Like seriously, oh, like if you every single time you open your mouth, like you just looking around, like you scared to speak. Yeah, it was this girl in PE. Like I, I'll never forget when I said um unappropriate behavior, and everybody started laughing. Yeah, I remember like later that class, like I was quiet, yeah. and this girl was like straight up like because they were badminton partners and we were playing them, and like her partner was like, "Yo, Pierre, you're not saying anything today. Like, what's good?" <laughs> it was like, "Oh no, he, he fucked up. <laughs> he fucked up. That's what, fam. I laugh now, but yo, at that moment." Dog, that I'm, shit is traumatizing, bro. Hey, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> hey, I laugh you know, with you. You because... get that little thing in your throat. Like, yeah, <laughs> man. Like, start crying. Like, man, that's where I was with you, man. Like, hey, I promise you, bro. I laugh now because when I first moved here too, I had a I had an issue with my with my accent. Same. And so same I couldn't here. I couldn't pronounce certain words. Even to this day, sometimes like certain words I can't pronounce. Same, same here. American accent. And so, like, I used to get made fun of a lot, bro, to a point where I stopped claiming I was from Nigeria. I was like, man, <laughs> fuck it. I'm, <laughs> I'm from Nashville, bro. <laughs> I'm two weeks in the country. They're like, where you from? I'm like, I'm from Nashville. <laughs> I swear. Oh, man, that's silly as hell, man. I swear, bro. Me on this side, bro. <laughs> I know what you mean, bro. They will bully you to you. That's it. You know what's funny, though? Because I remember when I came to, though, and it was the same shit, bro. Like, it's like you want to assimilate so bad. So you trying hard to sound like that. And I remember I'll go to church and niggas be frying me, man. Like, this is your American accent now. Oh, my God. Hey, you know, you know, you know how, like, you know, there's like this transition. It's like growing dreads, right? When you first start growing dreads, it looks ugly as shit. Yeah. So when you first start your American accent, it's gonna be the ugliest accent, oh, bro. Right, right, like right, right, right. my my favorite people to listen to are FOBs trying to sound American. I swear, is <laughs> it's like, bro. I don't know what I, it's like a mix of like New York, like Southern, yeah. like gangster, yeah. like like I like yeah. it's it's beautiful, bro. And Vic was through, was going through that stage, bro. He was going through that stage. I swear on everything, bro. One of the funniest shits yeah. ever, bro. Oh man, that shit is hilarious. Yeah. So so Pierre, how? Because like at least we knew English, right? So ours was more like a accent and cadence thing than it was uh, like actual uh, learning the language. When right, did you right. actually become comfortable with like English? When you're like, okay, like I'm comfortable. Like when you speak it, like you're like I'm, I'm in my bag now. Um. Honestly, I was still uh, fucking up, but I was probably like good enough where it's like it's not a thing. Like I'm not scared yeah. to speak anymore. It was probably like high school. I want to say like the ninth grade. When I got to the ninth grade, it was you like, in Canada. No, no, I, I was still in Zim at the time. Okay. Okay. I was still in Zim at the time, and you know, I was um, yeah. So sixteen was around the time I was like, okay, cool. I'm I'm, I'm getting comfortable with this, mm-hmm. but the um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say I would say sixteen was around. The so time. it took but you about then, two years. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in seven, seven and seven and eighth grade because I had to work through like, first of all, my first interaction with English, like I said, was like with the, you know, with the housekeeper in Ghana. So yeah. I had to I had to overcome the fact that French is my first language. And then yeah. two, I had gotten comfortable saying things like, yo, my leg is painting me, you know, <laughs> way small, you know, yeah. all type of shit. So yeah. I had to like kind of work out out of that, too. You got to unlearn a lot of shit. And then on top of that, I was kind of getting confused because in an international school, I got some British teachers. I got some American teachers. I got some Australian teachers. So like for the longest, I'm gonna give you something stupid for the longest, like fries. I didn't know what fries were called because some of my teachers were calling them chips. Yeah. Other teachers were calling them fries. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, some of my teachers were calling it, you know, um, chips, like chips, and yeah. some people were calling them like crisps. Was, yeah. Like some people were calling ketchup like ketchup. Mm-hmm. Some people were calling it like, you know, uh, tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. So because of that, like you're kind of learning. Damn. People were calling containers containers. Others are calling yeah. lunch boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're That's learning crazy. Like, all these things at a different time and you're learning late. So I had to develop mm-hmm. my own yeah. identity in like English and stuff yeah. like that. Um, where, well, obviously I didn't end up picking up like the British and Australian, you know, part mm-hmm. of it, but it took me like, it took me a minute to, you know, figure out exactly what was, you know, what was going on. Like, yeah. I, why is it that when I write a paper in science and I write center ER, it's mm-hmm. cool. But when I write it in R-E. English and I, 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 and you know, ER is wrong, it's supposed to be RE. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. Going on here. That was one thing I struggled with when I came to America. Yeah, too. like color, color back home was C O L O U R. Here, yeah. right, right. Which Even like, like the way the date is spelled. Is yeah, like, oh I legit God, thought, man. bro. I legit thought Americans were dumb. Like when I first moved here, yeah. I was like, why, why are they putting the the month first before <laughs> exactly. the date? I'm like, bro, why? You know what I'm that saying? That shit is so confusing. It was bro. confusing as shit. I spelled favorite F O like without the U. I was like, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb, what is, what is <laughs> going on? It's insane. Uh, Even shit like cookies, like things we call yeah, like cookies. We we'll call that biscuits. Biscuits, you know yes. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, bro, it's so interesting. But I think this is a great conversation because I, th- I don't, I don't know if a lot of people like fully like understand what it's like to like, like move and like assimilate yeah, to yeah. a whole different culture. For sure. Like, that's yeah. A thing, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. A like, thing. like even down to like. Oh, man, I talk about this all the time. Like when I tell people I've traveled, mm-hmm. I think people get the impression that it's like, oh, for one summer I was like yeah. two weeks yeah. in Ghana. <laughs> you know, you were just I, vacation. Know, I, I, I did a, I did you a, know I you were struggling out there. I went to go see the falls. You feel me? And it's, <laughs> I went to Sudan to see the pyramids. Like yeah. that's that's not that's not what it was. Like when you know you're nine years old and your mom tells you, listen, we're going. You're going to Ghana. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You're leaving your family behind. Yeah, you're leaving language behind. Yeah, the cereal is not the same. That yeah. place you used to play football or soccer, as y'all would call it, like yeah. you're not playing there anymore. Your friends are different. Yeah. The TV is different. Yeah. The music is different. Like you know, I, I went from like you know listening to like French music, and I remember like in, in Zimbabwe, we're going to pet rallies and they're playing Kanye West. I don't know who this motherfucker is. Like, who, like, what? Like, but I like that shit, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't kill me. I was like, oh, ooh, 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 ooh. Hit that on like white. God damn. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, oh, shit. But yeah, so 
that was uh, Zimbabwe for me. And um, Zimbabwe, it was, uh, I got to give you like the UNICEF angle of Zimbabwe because Zimbabwe was like super wild. <laughs> um, yeah, have y'all heard of like the hyperinflation that happened in Zimbabwe? Nah. Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. I haven't heard of it. Okay. So, so basically what, what happened was, so I got to Zim in like 07. Okay. Um, and in 2007, so basically what was happening at the time was that the Zimbabwean economy was, you know, they were struggling. Mm-hmm. They were really starting to struggle. Um, a lot of it had to do like uh, with, you know, uh, when Mugabe, Robert Mugabe, you know, came into power. Yeah. Um, he took back a lot of the land from, you know, the, the colonial people, like, you know, the, the Europeans who had monopolized it, you know, mm-hmm. during colonial times. And then he um, redistributed it to um, black Zimbabweans. Mm-hmm. Now the process was a little like, you know, dubious. Like he wasn't yeah. necessarily picking like the most qualified people to give it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it was just like, you know, his political allies and stuff like oh, that. And some you know, people struggled to like maintain, you know, the 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 output. So the economy kind of crashed and he responded to it by so so the Zimbabwean dollar was getting weaker. Yeah. He responded to it by printing bills. Now, I'm not an economist, but like that's yeah. like that's the worst thing, you know, you could do for the value of like, you know, your, 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 yeah, your currency. So, you know, if for whatever reason, like it, let's say it costs like a dollar, like a dollar to, to get a, to get an apple. Right. If you're if now your currency gets weak and it costs two dollars to buy the apple and you respond by flooding the market with more dollar bills so everybody can afford the apple. A week later, it costs four dollars to buy yeah. the apple, and then you print out more. Now it costs sixteen dollars to buy the yeah. apple, and then so when I got to Zim, I remember like my mom and my dad used to break me off for like two hundred thousand for like lunch money. That's <laughs> crazy, fam. Oh, you think two hundred thousand? So the thing is, I I came from Ghana where they were using the you know the CD and yeah. If people were going to Ghana recently, I know the CD is like super strong now. It's like yeah. for like one dollar, you get it. It's only like six CD or whatever. But in 05, 07, when I was there, like, you know, one dollar probably gets you like, you know, <clears throat> me a 10,000. So I've seen like, you know, a lot of I, I've seen like, you know, thousands of a currency before. Yeah. <laughs> I had to say, though, like hundreds of thousands was different, especially for my lunch money. Yeah. So, but I was like, okay, oh. but I've seen, you know, th- you know, yeah, for sure, thousands before. Two hundred. But the problem is, it started getting worse and worse, and what they just kept printing money. So, so by the end of my seventh grade, I was going to school. My mom used to break me off for like five million. Like, Damn, fam. Dog, it gets worse. That's terrible. Um, and then, um. What ended up happening is like there was so many zeros. They basically, I don't know how that works. They basically like started a new currency with like knocked off the zeros, and it was like basically uh one new dollar was basically understood as like a million of the previous dollar, but they just knocked off the zero, so like it wouldn't look super crazy. Mm. But the problem Damn. is they just kept printing it out. Dog, one time, this is when I knew, like, fam, this <clears> is ridiculous. <throat> one time. Me and my brother went to a coffee shop. Our father gave us money. And when our dad gives us money, he always gives us like, you know, more than enough. Yeah. Enough. We come home. 
you, you know, give them back the change, you know, give them the change. And um, so we was just like waiting. So I had enough money for like, um, I had enough money for a couple of croissants, but you know, we're just waiting or whatever, you know, the driver should be here, you know, anytime soon. So I'm like, you want a croissant? I get a croissant, two croissants. We get two croissants, we eat and everything. Yeah. I was still not here. We're like, listen, I still got money for like, you know, two more croissants. Like, I'm going to get one. Do you want me to get you one? He was like, yeah, fam, I get there. The price has changed. The price had changed. After you finished eating the croissant. The price had changed. I could not afford two croissants anymore. I had to get one and we had to split it. That's how quickly the money was like. crazy, man. Obsolete. At the peak, and we still have this because it's a a collector's item now. Um, there was a hundred trillion bill. What? Yeah. Trillion? A hundred trillion. A hundred, like you get a- Damn, dog. That's Like you you can go to school, like you can go to school and be like, yo, how much is that Sprite? And you know, it'd be like, oh, that's uh, two billion. And then- That don't even sound right. It just don't even sound like it is- Yeah, like it's it's two billion dollars. And then you're just like, okay, cool. I got my one bill of a billion and I got my second bill of a billion. And so is it is it back to normal now? Or like, how did they, have they recovered? Oh, I don't like, I don't, I don't, they don't use this in dollar anymore. They don't use this in dollar anymore. Uh, when I left, they were using the US dollar. Like my last two years there, like it got so bad. Like, like yeah. you know, because people used to throw the money in the trash. Um, Cause it just wasn't. It just wasn't. It was pointless. It's like a piece of yeah. Paper it was like yeah. You get paid. You get paid. Like you know. Um. By the time <clears throat> you get paid, by the time you you know you go to the ATM to you know take out some money, like you know it's not it's not it's not, it's not worth anything. Like it was a really bad situation. Damn, that's sad. Um, for people who were kind of like powerless to it, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um. But so it was wild to like you know, see that, but. At the same time, I also got to say, you know, Zimbabwe was like also, you know, really, really incredible. Um, some of one of the remaining, you know, evidence of pre-colonial sub-Saharan architecture. If y'all ever have a chance, y'all got to go see mm-hmm. the uh, the ruins of uh, Great Zimbabwe. Yeah, it's I think I've seen time. that on, on documentaries. Yeah. 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 Really, really incredible stuff. Or, you know, that, uh, you know, they did, you know, you got Big Falls, you know, one of the seven wonders of the world, like Victoria Falls. Yeah. Safari life is incredible. Uh, it's a it's a dope place. Yeah, art is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. And Bozzy told y'all, like when he was yeah. like, you know, we talking about like, you know, the weather and like just the way it looks and everything like that. Yeah. Like that whole Lion King, you know, uh, imagery, if y'all like yeah. that. Yeah, I gotta go to Zimbabwe. It's it's incredible. That's lit. So, so from Z- oh, you got it. I was gonna say so. So you now, I think you're gonna ask like, how did you get to Canada, right? Yeah. So from Zimbabwe, where did you go after that? Okay, I, after Zimbabwe, I was I left Zimbabwe in 2011. I was 16, and then I went to Sudan. I was oh, there wow. for two years. Um, and then, but same thing. Your mom's job took you to Sudan as well. Yeah, my mom's dad took me to Sudan. They went through some stuff because the uh, the north split from the south. Yeah, I've had most of the oil, um, so you know the economy took a hit, and you know she's just worried about the kids. So it was just a matter of, like raising money so you know these kids can go to school. And you know a lot of these Western nations they were not really rocking with Sudan to make a donation because yeah. you know they were back in the south, you know uh, breaking off because they felt Sudan was not 
um, selling the oil at a favorable price. So mm. make of that what you will. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they went to America for donations. They were like, not at that price. Y'all trying to sell us oil. Um, mm. We're not doing it. So she ended up getting money from like, you know, um, the leaders of Qatar, the heads of states in Qatar. Um, but yeah, Sudan was like nice because again, being from Central Africa, you don't have that, unlike y'all in you know West Africa, I never really had that proximity to Islam. You know what sure. I'm saying? Like the Islam did not spread that far south. Um, like really, there's like a Central Africa, like Islam, we really didn't get there. It's mostly like Northern, kind of Western, a little bit in the East. But, you know, that Gabon, Congo, Central African Republic, Angola, that region, like you, if you can find me, like uh, a, a Muslim, uh, you know, Congolese person that like didn't like marry into the family or whatever, like like you, you did a great job. You did a great job. So Sudan was huge for me from that perspective because even though I had known you know Muslims and I'd gone to school with them, they were always a minority. This is the first time I was in a place where I'm like, oh, boy, I'm in the thick of it. You know what I'm saying? So like it was uh, it was a really humbling experience. Because being in Sudan as a regular, I just realized how regular the people were. It made me, you know, humanize the people and it made me normalize the religion. Like, you know, there's there's, there's nothing to it, you know. Yeah, like people, for sure. You know, people want to do well in life. They go to school to learn. Yeah. Some good happens. They're happy. Yeah. Some bad happens. They're sad. They have dreams, yeah. you know. You have a different belief structure. Yeah, yeah this is, yeah, this is having a, you know, there's no... You know what I'm saying? When it's time to fast, it's it's it's, it's time to fast. When it's yeah. time to go to the mosque, it's time to go to the mosque. And for sure, that's really all it was. So that was like really humbling. And then yeah. once I graduated um, high school from there, um, I had like visa complications and stuff like that to come to Canada. So like my first semester um, in the fall, I was in Bangladesh for like four months. Damn, you were in Bangladesh, yeah. fam. <laughs> you lived the life, dog, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to I went to Bangladesh for a little bit, but I, I wasn't doing much because I wasn't going to school. Like my my mom had moved here for a job, so my brothers are the ones who really got to go to school here. Yeah, for me, I was just working at a at a um um I don't know at an orphanage. Um, where the only thing I would say about Bangladesh is like um this was back in 2013 so i don't know maybe like there's more foreigners there now yeah but if you're black they will stare <laughs> they will stare and especially if you get out of like the middle of the city because yeah. like, orphanage i went to like i had to take a bus and it was like a you know like a 30 minute drive which yeah. isn't that far from the city but even that listen to me i am not kidding yeah i'm not kidding when i walked down the street I am not kidding. I had dozens of people follow me around in the street for no other reason but just to look at me. What? <laughs> Fam, I am not kidding. I'm told. So wait, about- wait. Bangladesh, is that by India? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've never seen a black person before? Yeah, like, yeah, like no, people- no. Like, they, like, they, They've seen a black person, but not enough to like oh, yeah, a black yeah, person. Okay, 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 okay. Like you not enough to normalize it. Fam, you get in the element. This was in the city. I remember I was like uh I was at the, the, the American Embassy. I was trying to, you know, make it to you know Yah's place for the first yeah, time. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I remember being in the elevator and you know, just being like with a bunch of you know locals, 
And they straight up like turn around. Like straight up, like just looked at me. And you know, every time I went to the orphanage, you know what I'm saying? Like the moment I, I you know, I got off like the, the, the bus when it was like, all right, Pierre, we need you to, you know, go to the corner store and get the kids some drinks. By the time I got to the corner store, I had dozens of people just following me around. Like, these are not just kids. These they are like, ask you questions what? or like? No, no. <laughs> you were scared of so shit, weren't you, fam? Fam, I was. I was. <laughs> Thankfully, the first time, the first time, I think the kids, you know, the kids knew because I think they interact more with, you know, uh, foreigners because, you know, they, they had an orphanage. It was run by like, you know, um, uh, the UN and stuff like that. So yeah. they're more so used to like, you know, people who look different from them. But people in that, you know, um, I don't even know if it was like a city or a town. Like it was just 30 minutes away from my house. So it really shouldn't be that. But they were more so used to it. So the first time I went, I went with one of them. And fam, when I turned around, I was terrified. And he told me, relax. They don't want any problems. They just want to look at you. And I went up to them and I remember saying it, it never got violent. It never got violent. And I remember going up to them and I would try to speak to them, say, you know, hello, how's it going? They would not respond. Um, they just want to look at me. Wow. And it was like, that's interesting. That's fascinating. When I, when I eat, they be talking about me like, oh, look, it's eating. Like, it's <laughs> like, like, that's wild. Like, like, they thought she was an alien, dog. I'm being for real. I cannot make this up. Again, if people have been to Bangladesh like recently and that hasn't been your experience, I don't know, maybe it's changed. But from 20 in 2013, yeah. if you know as a black person, you pulled up, you know, um, you know, even in because Dhaka is the capital, and even in that area, fam. I had grown adults <laughs> stopping their day. You know, they'd be running their businesses like they'd be shutting shop. It's like to like come see me walk down the street. <laughs> like That's just insane, that, bro. not to talk to me or anything, just to like look yeah. at me. Just to, just to look at you. <laughs> I wonder, like, like it makes me it makes me like, did you ever ask like like why they did that or or like, just, they going? just they just did that? Is yeah, yeah, like is it's hard to fathom when you've traveled and, you know, you've seen different people and stuff like that. But I mean, I remember sometimes, you know, we go to orphanages like in, in um, Zimbabwe. And I remember some of the kids would like cry when they see my, you know, my white American teachers because they'd never seen a white person before. And it's just scary. Like, yeah. you know, they think they've seen a ghost. To be fair, though, even like in Nigeria, when you see a white person growing up, it would just like people would be staring at them. Yeah, like who do you yeah, like, <laughs> especially like thinking about like a white person going to the village type shit. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just like there is that awe, like oh shit, yeah. you know what I mean? That person is different. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I'm watching. I'm watching this show on on Netflix called um, Extreme Extreme Engagement. It's this white couple from Australia going like these different tribes, and they went to Africa twice, and the whole time. <laughs> They was talking so much shit about the couple. They like, see those white people there. Bring that white woman. Come on. <laughs> there, so there, there was a there, in Nigeria in, in, in the north with the Fulani people. I think the Hawambe uh, tribe. I forgot how they say it. But there's a ceremony. So the guys peacock a lot to try to attract women. Yeah. So they do all these like different ceremonies. They do. They paint their face. Mm-hmm. They make certain like weird faces to be able to like attract women. So like the women actually pick men that they want to be with but it's also a very polygamous society 
it's a polygamous mm-hmm. tribe. Like that's the way of the people is you have to be polygamous. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they do is they try to show their strength as being the man. So they get hit with sticks, right? <laughs> And so they'll like put one hand up and they'll take like this thick ass stick, bro. Probably like, probably like this thick. And they will smack them as hard as they can. Right, right here. And you see like the whelps under their armpit and the chest and the back. That's crazy. crazy. So the whole point of that is to show that the man can handle pain and the women, women get attracted to that, right? Like whoever can handle pain the most is who the woman would choose. And so the guy who was there, wild as shit, right? So the guy, so the couple who was there, they were from Australia, obviously white. So the guy, he was like, oh, I, 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 I want to show my, my fiance I'm a man and do this. And now I want to participate oh my too. God. <laughs> so he look at these scars. So they put this dude in the outfit. And before they went in, it was like, man, this white man wants to get beat. I pity for, I pity his skin. I was like, oh shit. So, so he was, so he, he, he was in the center. They was about to hit him and everything. And then, so usually they like hit really hard. Mm-hmm. So this dude, he act like he was going to hit him. He did like this and he just tapped the skin and he just walked off and everybody started laughing. Right. Cause it was like, <laughs> we're not finna hit you, bro. Cause you going to die. Like you can't yeah, do this yeah, shit. Yeah. It was making so much fun of this dude. <laughs> but I think it's because like, they don't, they don't know, like they haven't really met white people yet to understand. Yeah. Like, okay. Like maybe this guy's skin is similar to us. Maybe this, he can actually yeah. handle it. But they was like, nah, we not finna kill this nigga, bro. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it's crazy. Oh. It's crazy, yeah. bro. It's really insane. Yeah, sure. So, so I'm curious, bro. Uh, you've lived in all these different places. So, so I'm assuming, by the way, after Bangladesh, you moved to Canada, right? Yes, yes. We're now in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So <laughs> just arrived. So, plane just landed. I know, right? So I'm curious, bro. Like you've seen so many different shades of black, so many different like cultures of blackness. Like, how would you say? Like, what do you think black being black means to you? And I, and I ask that question because. My fiance were talking on the phone one day, and I think either me or her asked the question: "Was like, what does it mean to be black, right? Because is it is it just a skin tone, or is it like, is it more than that? You see what I'm saying? Because like, you know, you you I think the question arose when I started looking at Afro Afro uh Lat Afro Latin people, like they're considered black too, but." What does that mean? You see what I'm saying? Like, sure. like, does it make sense? So, and there's so many different types of blackness, so many different types. So I'm curious to you, like, what do you think that means to you? What do you think that means to be black? Man. That's a loaded one, fam. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to say something that, you know, it's kind of paradoxical. I'm gonna explain. I think you know, blackness means everything to me and nothing at all at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with the nothing at all. When you travel, you realize that. Um, okay, so I grew up, and it was essentially for all intents and purposes, I was born in Gabon. You know, mm-hmm. Central Africa. Um, you know. Super, super nappy hair. My nose is super wide. Mm -hmm. I'm dark skinned. To me, in that moment, in that place, in that context, that's what being black is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Anything else isn't, you know, it's not 
It's not. So I go to Sudan, for example, mm-hmm. and Ghana and, and Zimbabwe was kind of similar because, you know, um, Ghana, they, they, they mistake, they mistake me for, for a local. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like they yeah. used to speak tweet to me all the time. And it's like, oh no, yeah. I don't speak tweet. And then they triple mm-hmm. the price on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Zimbabwe is the same thing. You know, they walk up to you and, you know, speak Shona because, you know, you, you know. Facial features look. are similar. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But then you go to Sudan and Sudan, you know, they looked a little different. Darker. And for me, um, yeah, in, in the South, they're, they're darker. But where I was, like, you know, in, you know, Northern Sudan, like, you know, they look like Somalians. Uh, yeah, yeah, type thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember going there, like, you know, in my ignorance and being like, these people are not black. Like, mm-hmm. these, like, that's not what black is. Right. I'm black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this, like, the, you know, the curly hair, like, the, mm-hmm. the slim, you know, facial features and all of that, like, the red hue under the skin. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not black. Like, you know, I'm black. But then what you realize very quickly is that black is anything you want it to be. That's black. You go to, I I came to, I came to Canada and lost my mind. Like, they were talking about like, mixed people are black. I'm like, where? I'm from (laughs) Gabon. Like, you got a, you got a a white parent. (laughs) Like, or mixed, (laughs) sir. Like, I don't know, I don't know what y'all, and then they be having like, fam, like, they be having like, oh, one black grandparent and they're like, oh, they're black. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, and this is black in the context that you know where I grew up, and it's understanding. And this is what I mean by black is nothing at all. Is understanding that that is just your perspective. Race is a social construct. Sure. There is like being black is not a thing, and I think biracial people and people of mixed races prove that because. You can have somebody who's got a white grandmother or a white grandfather that looks mm-hmm. just like me. So are they black or are they not? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. is it because they are they black because they look like me? Or are they not black because they got a white grandparent? Mm-hmm. You, know what you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. you know, it's really is, you know, nothing at all. You can have Again, like you can you can go to um, Latin America and, you know, see people who are they may they may have one black grandparent. They're mixed with like, you know, Spaniards and indigenous people of that land. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they're considered black. Who are you to tell them that they're not black in their environment? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like same thing with like, um, um, you know, black Americans. Like I remember. Last year, me and my brother, we were watching the playoffs and, you know, um, we were watching the finals. I'm a Lakers fan. And, um, you know, Anthony Davis, uh, we were looking at Anthony Davis and I was looking at Anthony Davis and I'm like, you know, what's crazy? We're watching basketball here and we were talking about Black Lives Matter and all these different things. And in the context of basketball in North America, Anthony Davis is a black person. Yeah. If Anthony Davis set foot in Gabon, like (laughs) he would not be considered black. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. would not be considered black. And you look at his parents and you look at, you know, their, their, you know, their, their features and all of these yeah. different things. And, you know, you, you can you can tell like there's more than just black in there. But in the context of America, yeah. Anthony Davis yeah. is a black man. Yeah. yeah, That's what it is. And that's what it that's from that sense. 
black to me is nothing at all because it really depends on like, you know, yeah. what type of time are we on? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so your definition on it is like a, blackness is in this overarching umbrella thing. It's more like a it's your context. contextual place exactly. thing in terms of the places you're in and the spaces you're in, in that sense. But I do, I do want to say though, I think, like you said, race is a social construct, but I think naturally historically being black is one of those things that's had consequences as well. So in terms of how people classified and clarified it around the world. So I, I think in a sense that um the saying nothing at all does create the perception that it hasn't had consequences, you know? So. And yeah, that was the second part of, you know, my explanation. Remember I said mm-hmm. that black is absolutely everything and it's yeah. nothing at all. Mm-hmm. The part about it being everything is that, again, you're speaking to somebody who's from a country where, I don't meet other people from my country. We live in a world that's been colonized. So that means that people globally, for the most part, people primarily identify with their nation. You know what I'm saying? You take somebody from, and you'll notice this, especially on the continent. You take somebody from um, Uganda, right? You take a kid in Uganda right now. That kid grows up, watches, there's there's a Ugandan you know, uh, TV station. Yeah. You know what I'm saying they grow up hearing about the Ugandan, uh, general elections. They mm-hmm. go to school. There's a Ugandan flag. They go to school. They sing the Ugandan national anthem. They travel. They have a Ugandan passport. Mm-hmm. They grow up watching on TV, the Ugandan national team. Yeah. Everything that they do is as a Ugandan. They don't do it as a black person. They don't do it as a Muslim or a Christian. Yes, there's stuff that they do, you know, as Muslims and Christians and stuff like that. But most of the time, when you live in this world, you will do so as whatever your nationality is, because that's what the world is going to. Most of the time, that's the bucket you're going to fall into. Not to say that religion, you know, um, race and all sex, all of these things, you know, do not exist, but primarily you know, as far as like you know, identity, you will identify yeah. with, you know, your nationality. So for me, because I didn't have that, you know what I'm saying? What mm-hmm. I did to was like, who looks like me? So when I go to God, mm-hmm. I just like, I'm just looking for the black kids. When I look, when I go to Zimbabwe, I'm looking for the black kids. So that's what I mean by like, you know, it is everything to me and yeah. especially to me because I don't have, when I come to Canada, there is mm-hmm. no Gabonese association. There is no celebration of the Gabonese, you know, Independence Day. I do nothing as a Gabonese person where in the context that I live in, that I exist in, being Gabonese is not an identity. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. If I tell people I'm from Gabon, they will ask me what that is. When I tell them it's from Central Africa, all they will take away from it is I'm a black person from Africa. They're Mm -hmm. not retaining it. Gabon is not an identity. So because of that, blackness was the thing that I was always seen as. That's why it means absolutely everything to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I said, because of like, you know, context changes so much. Yeah. Blackness could ultimately mean, you know, nothing at all. But again, I totally agree with you, Victor. Like, you know, sometimes I don't mean it. When I say that, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like colorblind and, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, Michael Jackson, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. You know, <laughs> All that stuff, like, but I just genuinely mean, like, from place to place. And yeah, y'all have it in, um, in, in, in you know, in America as well. Like, yeah. I, sometimes I watch documentary, uh, documentaries, 
the people, the black people in Alabama look very different from the black people in the Bay Area. Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's it, you know it's 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 very different. And to them, yeah, you know what I'm saying. If you ask them, like you know, if Ice T was black. You know, they might go, I mean, he is black, but you feel me? Like, mm. so it, it kind of varies from environment to environment. But black means absolutely everything to me because that's been the only bucket yeah. that, you know, that the only thing that I've been able to, you know, fit into. Right. I was just going to ask you that. Like, is it means everything to you because that was that was the form of identity that I guess you were able to, like, grasp onto because, like you said, that there was no Gabonese identity you see what i'm saying so i think blackness was like the next thing that you could be like okay i can at least you know find find black people yeah. worst case scenario even if i'm not going to find gambling people i know i can at least find black people yeah but the reason that again the reason why that doesn't that's cool but it's not all the way cool is because again culture belongs to community mm-hmm. you can't do this by yourself so when mm-hmm. i go well i identify with black people and the black people go like, well, I identify with Ghanaians. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where, you know, mm-hmm. it's this thing, like, it's gotta be a two-way street. So I could go to Zimbabwe and be like, hey, y'all are black, I'm black, so I identify with y'all. It might not necessarily be, you know, reciprocated. I don't know yeah. if you remember like the, in the Baji episode where he was, you know, where he was talking about like, you know, the, the black people, you know, the locals in Zimbabwe, you know, they mess with you, but not all the way because you're not necessarily of the same culture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, by people primarily identify with. If I pull up to the um to like a uh, a Nigerian party right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, you know, you couldn't tell, you know, just looking at me that I'm not, you know, I couldn't be Nigerian. You know, it's whatever. But the moment I open my mouth and the moment that I don't understand Pigeon and I don't know what the music is all about and yeah. I don't know how to rock the Akbara, like, <laughs> becomes like, <laughs> you know, it, it becomes like a whole, you know, thing. Like, I I, I stick out. And that happens mm-hmm. a lot. Like, I put myself in, you know, black spaces thinking, like, I'm like everybody. And then very yeah. clear becomes like, well, the Ghanaians go over there, the Nigerians yeah. go over there. And it's and like, where do I go? Yeah, where do even, I go? Even within Nigeria, you'll have like, you know, the Ebos, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So like, and then, so I identify with like, I'm like, hey, you know, we're all the same. Yeah. But, and again, it's not a bad thing because I was sure. Mm-hmm. what they identify as. The same mm-hmm. way, you know, blackness, you know, means whatever it means in your context. A Yoruba person has every right to go, listen, you know, I identify as Yoruba. You know what I'm saying? I want to be with a Yoruba person to raise mm-hmm. these Yoruba children and pass on this Yoruba culture that is 100% their prerogative. And I got to give them that space. Like, they, <laughs> this is not charity. You know what I'm For saying? For sure. <laughs> It, 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 it's I too late it. for me. Listen, you know, uh, they'll send me their condolences and all of that, but I can't expect them to, you know, um, relinquish their Yoruba identity just so there's space for me. I'm just yeah. kind of like an unfortunate case, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I think it's cool that you explain it in terms of like <clears throat> subcultures as well, because like, I think the more we build, it's like a, it's like a, like a tower that keeps going higher and higher. So like the more like in Nigeria, you come from Nigeria and it's like little subcultures and little different dialects and different um, 
places you're from. And Mecca is Yoruba. This person is Igbo. This person is this. This person, I'm from Kogi State. In my, in my, um, in Nigeria, my, my, um, where I'm from, Kogi State is like a super small minority in the grand scheme of like cultures and, and like just, yeah. And all that and tribes or whatever. Right. So I, I totally agree when, like, even when we would have days at, at school back then, like celebrating your state or whatever, and it would only be me. Like it would only be me because I'm like the only cat from Kogi State. Like you, re- like I rarely met people from Kogi State in, in Lagos back then, right? And even in in um America, I've met like one cat, and America was the one that like introduced me to him. He was on the show, Michael. Um, yeah, I just listened to that episode. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like you, it's inter- interesting how like even in the small in the small sense that happens too. And once you keep compounding all that, some of it gets lost, but a lot of it still for some people like you, it still stays because like for me, it got lost because it became okay. After I left America, it was like, mostly I was identified as strictly Nigerian. So when I meet another Nigerian, it's just straight up Nigerian, mm-hmm. but there is this still subcultures where like Igbo people want to rock with Igbo people. Yeah. Um, Fulani's want to stay with Fulani's. Yeah. So do you think in the grand scheme of things, do you think, like, I think there's beauty in that, in that um tri- in tribalism, right. In terms of like, the subcultures and everything and everyone embracing their people. Do you think in terms of blackness around the world, do you think it would do us more of a good if we had more of a uniting view on that? Or do you oh. think, do you think, oh. well, like that little separation right now is playing to our detriment? Um, I think that, uh, I think it is, but I think it, it, it shouldn't. Um, I think that people, <sighs> I think I think we we have a hard time. I think it's 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 hard for people to multitask. Yeah. Um. I think it's 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 hard to have like multiple identities for people. Mm. And I have a a huge. This is gonna sound crazy, but please let me explain. Like <laughs> I have a I have a huge issue with. I used to say it all the time, but but now I've kind of cooled down on it because I know it could come across kind of crazy, but like. I always felt like Pan-Africanism was a scam. Like I used to mm. say it all the time. Like I used to tweet it all the time. I was like, mm. <laughs> like I would be like, happy new year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And do not forget, Pan-Africanism is a scam. <laughs> Dr. Umar for the come at you, fam. <laughs> <laughs> they will be checking hair. Oh, but yeah, I mean, the reason I used to like, I mean, it's not that I used to feel like that. I still feel like that, but I I stopped saying that because it sends the wrong message. But I think with Pan-Africanism, I feel like a lot of times it kind of, there's a lot of hurt mm. in, you know, blackness. There's, 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 there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of tension that mm. we cannot just smooth over by saying we're one. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's that's that's, that, that, that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. going well, you know, we're all black. Let's just all get along. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And I have a I have a problem with that as well for another reason. I was going to put a pin in that, but the um I think that we have to recognize like people if if somebody identifies as, you know, uh Colombian, right? Yeah. As a black Colombian. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We need to be able to give them that space without feeling like you got to choose either mm. with Colombia 
or you rock with this black stuff. And mm. you know, if you try to do anything else, then you know we start hurling. We got to cancel you type shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, top of top of thing. Like for me, and as somebody, and as somebody who would benefit from just like, hey, give up your national identities, give up your sure. identities, and just come rock with me as like a black person. Like you know, even I, I would benefit from that. But even I recognize, you know, that's not, you know, that's not the right thing. That's not the way to move forward. Yeah. You're not going to convince black people all over the world, you know, um, tell like a like a black Brazilian that they're not Bra- like they're they're Brazilian, but like, you know, really they're black. You know, tell Peruvians that they're black, like they're really, you know, black, like tell people from um, Brazil, you know, uh, even black, like I would, I would say, like even black Americans, too. Like, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a lot of a lot of the guests on your shows, right, like the uh, black Americans. You know, when they get on the show, they go, I'm from, you know, I'm from Memphis. I'm yeah, from, yeah. you know, I'm whatever. Like, and people should be allowed to do that without it getting awkward. Like, oh, well, if that then, well, fine, you go over there. Like, yeah, or you're anti-black type <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if we forget about that, like, you know, let's just like unite or whatever. We can recognize that. One thing I learned from, you know, traveling and all these different things is that I can validate who you are as an individual and I can learn the different things about you and your quirks and all of that. And that is actually humanizing you mm. as opposed to, you know, telling you like, well, you know, you're just black. No, what is it about, you know, what, what is it about your, you know, your blackness? Like I think Pan-Africanism, one of the issues I have with it is like, there is entirely too much focus on Africa. Like in 2021, there's black people all over the world. We should be investing and learning about the black experiences in Brazil. Like mm. Brazil, black land in Brazil is just as important as Botswana. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like what the kids in Jamaica, like, you know, the, the orphans in Jamaica are going through. Like we should be looking into that and studying that with the same reverence that we, you know, that we study about, you know, the history of Timbuktu and, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. You know, it should be, you know, it, it should be everybody. You know, we should be validating all the different, you know, um, black experiences. Like, I hate it. I can't stand it when I hear it's going to be kind of controversial, but I, I hate it when I hear like, um, you know, um, black British people talking about like, oh, but I'm um, I'm really African and all of these things. No, like you grew up in the UK, you're developing your own culture, you like your own identity. Embrace that. That doesn't mean that you can't rock with your, you know, your heritage and, you know, mm-hmm. be proud of that and identify with that, but embrace the fact that as a black person, you went to this foreign land, you know, you, you speak a, a certain way, you dress a certain way, you like a certain yeah. type of food, and that's not beefing you turning your back on Ghana or Zimbabwe or South Africa and ha- having lost your roots. Like those, that's your identity. Like take it, like go black person, like, <laughs> You know, be cool with that and embrace that. And that's just as black. Like blackness is so much bigger than Africa. You know, so like, like it's 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 so much like I want to know like what's going on in to me, what's going on in the black community in Detroit, you know, is just as important as what's going on in Togo, for example. Mm-hmm. It's just as important. Black Detroit is just as black. Is just as you know, uh, um, um, descendant of Black Africans as um, Burundi. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you're there as a black person, it is valid now in our books. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I I hate listen. If if people want to, you know, see the land of their ancestors and they identify with that, obviously welcome them, encourage them, and all of that. Yeah, I hate it when I hear people talking about where they are, like with some shame, like they're removed from something. Mm. Oh, like claim like that is blackness too. That is you, as black. Do you think like that shame or whatever, right? Because I, I know a lot of African-Americans that are on the other side where they're like, they don't really want to claim their um their American sense because like they don't they don't rock with things like Fourth of July, they don't rock with things like that because of their political views on America and like the things they've done like around the world and like from slavery. So there's a part of them that does not want to be connected to that. Do you think that is justified in, in that sense in terms of like, there's a lot of British people in the same way where like, let's say like Britain and like their colonialism that they did to Africa and everything that flows with mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of black people and Africans that are in those spaces now and they don't want to claim that because it feels like it's this, it feels like it's doing a disservice to their lineage because those, like that group subjugated their people. So it feels like when they try to mesh both of them together, it's kind of like there's a lot of shame and probably a lot of just like anger towards it. So do you think that's justified as well? Yeah, no, and I, and I totally understand that. And honestly, it's not like, you know, it's not for me to, you know, say to a black person like, hey, you know, you got to you got to rock with England and, you know, yeah. all of these different things. Like what I don't like where I get really passionate is when yeah. I start seeing like shame mm-hmm. and, you know, I feel bad and I feel like if it's not Africa, then it's not real. Like, I hate it. Like, when I hear things like, you know, when I hear whether it's Black Americans saying it or when it's like people saying it about Black Americans that they don't have culture, that shit, like, really, really gets to me. Like, I'm yeah. like, how could you how could you accept that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if 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 you if you feel like, OK, well, you know, America, I'm not really like, you know, I don't. I don't really, because of the reasons that you said, you know, yeah. I'm not really rocking with that or whatever. And, you know, I want to, you know, I, I want to get closer to like, you know, Africa or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm again, like as a, as an African, prerogative, you, know, right? you yeah. with, with open arms and all of that. But your problem just, is like when there's, when there's, when there's like the shame of like missing something, like I'm not complete. Yeah. Like you're not missing. Like I'm not truly like, black because I'm not this like, yeah. Like, bro, you're not, you're not, you're not missing anything. Right. You're not missing anything. Your music is just as black. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Your music is just as I think. You no, know, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Finish. Finish your thought. Oh no, no. Like I, I, I was saying, like you know, it's 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 just as you know, it's just as black. You know, if you're you know using you know hi hats or shakers, like you know, it's it's the same thing. Like I remember seeing Burner Boy on a. He was doing an interview in America and, you know, he was talking about in the, the, the interview of Big Boy, Big Boy's neighborhood. Like he's out uh, in L.A. and yeah. he was like, oh, you went to BET. Like, you know, that's really for you because you're really black. And it's like, fam, yeah, you're just as like just because you don't have like an accent, like as a black American, you yeah. are just as your ancestors are just as African. It's the it's the, it's the same thing. Like embrace yeah. it. Just, you know, you don't need. You don't need to. Um, I just don't like it when people feel like they got. They need Africa to validate them. You mm. are Africa. You are your ancestors. Yeah. Like 
whatever you're doing right now, that's what it led you to. That is black. That I agree. Is- I think also that comes from a lot of Africans weaponizing that, though. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Africans yeah, come from right. this like very arrogant place where it's like y'all don't have culture or y'all mm-hmm. ain't y'all like you know what I'm trying to say like it comes from like a very arrogant place. So I think mm-hmm. a lot. I think that's like a reaction to the, the way a lot of Africans like kind of gatekeep Africa in some sense because like mm-hmm. I see the, I see a lot of conversations just on Twitter and different things when like social issues come up and like you see a lot of that going on from Africa. And I think that the the point you're trying to make is like, um, it's not our job to police blackness. It's not our job to, to like create this space where it's like, Oh, this is a spectrum of blackness and you have to be on this side and you have to shed everything else and be like, Oh, I'm pro black. I'm, I'm, um, um, I'm African. I'm not Brazilian as well. Like all that could coincide at the same time and coexist. And also I saw a phenomenal quote on um, Twitter where it was like being pro-black is just appreciating everybody's version of blackness and appreciating it in ways that manifest different from, different, differently from you as well. And if that's a gay black person that wants to show their pro-blackness in one specific way and that does not flow with you because you're straight, that's their prerogative. But that being pro-black is still giving a space for that. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. Absolutely. Like when um, I, I think you cannot be you you cannot be pro black and just like think that it's 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 all about you. And I, I also will say that like it, it's it's two things. Again, you got to recognize you know people's um, you got to respect people's spaces. You got to recognize the space and you know respect it. You know I'm not about to you know at the same time that I'm like you know we're all black and everything. I'm not about yeah. to pull up in a Nigerian environment. Yeah, and you know just not respect the fact that it is Nigeria. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. While at the same time, not feeling like because it is Nigerian, then, well, we're all black. Why can't we like, no, I need to respect your space. It's like being a family. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We are mm. a family. But at the end of the day, my brother got his room and his belongings. And I need to respect that. And, you know, I got, you know, my my room, my area, my food. And he needs to respect that. But we're all, you know, one. We're, we're, we're all one family. And I wish that's the way it could work. But I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Like I'm a pessimist. Like I, I got, I got my ideas. Like I think yeah. this is how things could go down. But yeah. listen, the reason I used to like go all the time, like Pan Africanism was a scam, is because like I be seeing attention. Like I can't believe this stuff. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, how do these people have beef? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't understand like how these people got beef. Damn. Damn. <laughs> no, See, that's 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 right. Like one thing, one thing I recognize when I listen to that is just my own journey. Because I think also like. Cultural identity is a journey, right? Like you, and we talked about this um, in our first episode of, this, of the second season, right? There is cultural assimilation, right? Um, and and my fiance, obviously, she talks about that as well, being a psychologist. And I'm looking at my own journey, and I, and I feel like you are at a very mature place with your cultural identity, right? And I'm thinking back to my own journey, like when I was hella immature and I was in that space where I was gatekeeping, 
you know, black culture, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I come from the motherland and, you know, right, 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 we're, right. we're black, like, this is real. Like, this is the original, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah. I'm that concentrated, like, yeah. you see what I'm saying? You, you are like carbon, you're Coke. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm a like, concentrated people. Yeah. Like, I felt that, but it's, it's that ethnocentric, you know, yeah. view that I had where, you know, if you're not African, like, you're not real. And yeah. so, you know, I had to really humble myself and really go on this journey where now I'm able to like really appreciate blackness from, from every different shape. Like I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm becoming more curious about black people in Brazil than anywhere else in the world. It's something about hey, it. Like, you it, know, you know, you know, um, as far as like the, um, in a transatlantic slave trade, like the old, like the majority I won't yeah. say the majority, but most most of the most of the Africans the majority to, went there. To yeah, Brazil. To, to Brazil. Yeah, to Brazil. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah, why yeah. I'm so curious about it. Yeah, because hey, you notice that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm curious about it because that's where majority of the slaves went, but nobody fucking talks about it. Like, yeah. what the fuck? But, but, but you know what that like, you know what that's about. Like when um you know I was speaking, I was talking earlier about um um uh languages and realms they speak portuguese in brazil mm-hmm. exactly there's only i think there's only two african countries that speak portuguese there's angola mm-hmm. and there's mozambique you know what i'm saying so like i always wonder about the distance that it creates you know what i'm saying because like the, the the stuff that they create i'm gonna give you an example so for example like when growing up in gabon there's like a francophone culture in the sense that when ivorians drop something even though y'all are closer to the ivory coast I'm yeah. more likely to be hit to it in Gabon because sure. it's in the same language. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I always wonder about that, you know, with um, Brazil, where it's like, what if they spoke English or what if they spoke French or what if we spoke, you know, the majority of the Portuguese. continent spoke Portuguese? Yeah. What impact Dang. that would have, you know. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I'm for certain there's definitely a closer relationship between, you know, Angola in Brazil mm. um, than like the rest of Africa. Mm. Just, you know, based off of the fact that they can actually, you know, they can actually communicate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, for sure, for sure. Like, because even um, Ghana and Nigeria, like, y'all are actually not neighbors. But we feel like we're neighbors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel like, like legit, until Cameroon until is really, closest to us. Closest yeah. to us. Until yeah, I really yeah. looked at the map, I legit thought Ghana was like, this was Nigeria. Yeah. So I legit no. thought that. And then I realized it was like two or three countries that separated. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's language. Yeah. That, that's all it is. It's, it's, language it's, is powerful, man. It's, it's, it's language. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, it's really, uh, man, this it's is really crazy. unfortunate, bro. Yeah, it's a great episode, man. Yeah. So, last question for you, Pierre. Um, what's something you 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 want to leave our followers with? Obviously, our followers um, and listeners and enjoy our, our podcast, obviously, and you know enjoy our conversations as far as blackness and us exploring, you know, different different things within blackness, like different conversations, right? And and I, I was listening. I was talking to one of my homies who listens to our podcast every now and then. He was like, he really appreciates the fact that he he knows that we're learning as we go. Cause we're really learning, bro. Like for sure. We don't know everything. Yet. Like we don't like <laughs> we're legit learning as we go. And I think that's really cool that we can bring our, our listeners along, along that journey. Right. So, so what's, what's something you can, you can, you can leave the village with man that, that we can learn from. You can learn from like, yeah, isn't like, like 
Something from your experience, man, that you can leave the village, man. Like say, hey, listen, look, you know, and 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 you know, our listeners that, that can, when they hear you, they can be like, damn, like that was a, either a good piece of advice or a perspective, right? Because you mentioned how you know perspective trumps, you know, reality, right? Mm-hmm. About how to look oh, at girl. the world or how to look at you know cultural identity. What's something you can leave behind, bro? Okay. Um I would say that if you if you go to sleep with the same thoughts that you woke up with this morning, you're not thinking hard enough. Mm. That's what I would say. Damn. Mm. Damn. That's, so, that's <laughs> real, bro. Because like, I, I feel the same fucking way. I've never verbalized it like that. But I don't think, like, I think I wake up every day with like different thoughts. Yeah. But yeah. my mind is always fucking going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds kind of because, like, you know, yeah. you, uh, you know, you want to have like firm, you know, strong opinions and be firm. Like people kind of champion that. Yeah. Um, I pride myself, like, you know, when, when people bring up something I said two years ago, I say, listen, I don't believe the same things I <laughs> believe in this morning. I, I That's a real nigga right there, bro. <laughs> and I feel hey. it, bro. Because just to flow off that, I do agree, bro. Because like, I think in society, um. There is this thing where, like, you see it on social media a lot where people will, like, pull up, like, receipts or whatever, like, yeah. and somebody yeah. changed their view on something. I'm like, bro, like, yeah. as a human, you're supposed to change your views on things. Once you get information or just new things that validate another opinion or, like, you feel like it's closer to the truth. And there's yeah. no shame in that. You know what I'm trying to say? And I think a lot of times, because you see arguments going on on social media, people just want to be, they're, they're so attached to certain beliefs that, even when they see information that they know this, this is like, all right, this information opens my eye up to a new truth. They willing to die on that hill just straight out of ego. So I we think were, it's- uh, They work backwards. They work, exactly, man. Like I they got think the conclusion and they, and they exa- That's what it is. They get the conclusion and they look for like the, the fluff to validate that. And, and right, shit, right, man. Right, I, right. We're humans. We're all humans. We're all learners. So like changing of opinion is a sign of a strong person. It's a sign of a like a fluent thinker. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 for that. yeah I'm, I'm 26. I'm sure. 20, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna believe. We all know shit. Yeah. None of us. <laughs> I'm 35. Like when I'm 55, I don't know. Like I, you don't, bro. Because yeah. like the most constant thing in the world is change. Like that's the only constant thing in the world is change. And you just don't know what tomorrow is gonna look like. And you you gotta be, you gotta make sure your mind is flexible, right? And, and sure. it's adaptable, and you can flow. I, one of my favorite quotes about Bruce Lee, man, be like water, you know, because water takes up the shape that whatever shape it's in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you can take that so many ways. Wow, that's yeah. dope. Yeah, it's dope. it's soft, right? It's soft, yeah. but it's also it's soft enough to soothe you, but it's also hard enough to, you know, to 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 cut through a rock. You know what I'm saying? So like it's 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 formless. So be water, man. Right. You like water, man. I, I, I like, I like Nigga, think you're Bruce Lee or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, also real shit. Hey, you think I'm playing, bro? I'm gonna open up a martial arts studio, bro. For me. <laughs> Little black boys, man. I'm serious, man. Hey, go oh, for it. We need that. We need that. So I, I gotta, I gotta learn from the greats, man. You know what I'm saying? I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man. It's fun, here, man. It's been it, fun. Yeah, man. Thank y'all so much for having me. Nah, you good, man. And that's a wrap. When I don't finish, I'll be ha. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. This really does help engagement. It allows other people to be able to check out our awesome content. 
And also follow us on social media, Instagram to be specific at V-L-L-G-B-O-Y-Z. And most definitely and more importantly, we shall catch you on the next episode. Oh yeah. Vamos.